Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. You can window dress it and scoff at it, but image matters. Mesdames et messieurs. The greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympics fans. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you today? Ciao. <laughs> what to expect for the next six years or so? Yeah, six and a half absolutely. years? <laughs> absolutely. I will be practicing my Italian between now and 2026. I see. I see. Well, I did have gelato to celebrate. Excellent. As did I. I was away this weekend, so I practically had it at every meal. <laughs> but yes, if you aren't aware, we are talking about the fact that Milan Cortina won the bid to host the 2026 Winter Olympics. And I have to admit that I was I was crushed. Oh, I was I was very sad when Stockholm because when I saw the final presentations Stockholm was really sharp except for the fact that their poor the poor Stockholm mayor sang Dancing Queen oh <laughs> I didn't watch yeah I was away so I didn't I, I didn't have really great internet so I couldn't yeah. see any of the videos I could yeah kind of she the... she in her oh dear in her that presentation pop- no I don't, I don't think they did I mean I mean she was trying to be like excited and happy and all that stuff and they were they were very very together the bid videos that they showed were like here's where the venues are here's where this is and milan was like we're milan let's bring some athletes up pool say i would i would love it if if it would be in my host country and i can compete in my host country it would mean so much to me you know they they, stockholm fell down in the swedish context (sighs) <sighs> sad to say because it yeah. was it was really sad and it was interesting because one of the presenters was an IOC member from Sweden and she flat out said this is the time where you say are we really about this new norm stuff and making a change and being sustainable or not and you could see she was pretty sad when yeah. when Tibok had to say you know we're really sorry to all of them Oh, yes, I saw that. She just sort of shook her head at him. Like, really? This is where we're going? Yep. 
Yep, because you know. Okay. Yeah, because I think I was reading, I would say inside the games, because they have extremely good coverage of this IOC session, which is yes. their, one of they've their been... regular meetings. Yeah, they've been covering it pretty well. And they said that the cost for the Cortina bobsled renovations has already gone up. Well, are they still kicking around not doing the Cortina bobsled and using San Moritz? I don't know. I don't know how okay. if that's going to happen or not. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, and but... Crown Crown Princess Victoria was there for Stockholm, mm -hmm. and she just looked heartbroken oh. when they well, announced it. Well, it's also the seventh time that Stockholm has bid and lost. So, I don't know. I mean, in the other recaps i was reading they said milan had really been working and lobbying for a long time and you know that it's those those government guarantees and the fact that the population was all behind it yeah it's, it seemed like the fact that stockholm the city and the region you know the the government officials would not sign the host contract right was the deciding factor in a lot yeah. of ioc members minds they just said the government is not behind this and we're going to be fighting an uphill battle the whole way yeah and the italians yeah. were like sure we'll sign a contract whatever you want we will right. do everything right oh. but their celebration was pretty fantastic oh yeah they were oh well of course there Passionate. was singing there yes. was chanting <laughs> there was lots of there was crying there was all the italian flags waving it was that was kind of exciting it was, it so that was definitely exciting. made so, you feel better and they'll but, have fun but what was funny to me was right after this happens, they go and they kind of do the ceremonial signing mm -hmm. and it happens right away. So it was like, who wants to marry a millionaire? It was like, you get picked and then the wedding is right there. <laughs> so I, I mean, obviously they know that this is just the ceremonial right. photo op, but it was like, okay. And now you've just chosen your, the winner and we're going to get married now wear your wedding dress to the meeting <laughs> and the Italians are crying. And so yeah, and then <laughs> they are thrilled. And I, I, I think it will be a fantastic party of an Olympics. I hope so. How it, how it does on the budget. Don't know. Eh. We shall see. We shall see, but what it will is... be beautiful. I mean, those mountains are oh. gorgeous. They really are gorgeous. So hopefully I mean, it'll be, a... how do you, how do you say budget blown in Italian? Yeah, yeah, that's some of the big news coming out of the IOC annual session. We got, we've got so much stuff to talk about today, Allison. I don't almost know where to begin, even though we organize it regularly. <laughs> but first, I want to say thank you to and hello to our new listeners. We know a lot of you are finding us out at, because as we get closer to 2020, people are getting the Olympic fever. So we are so happy you are joining us and please hang out with us on social. We're on Twitter and Insta at Fever. I'm on Twitter and Allison is rocking it over on Insta. We've got a Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast, where we have a lot of really great conversations and we're working our way through the sports of Tokyo 2020 and the workings of the IOC to help prepare you for the next Olympics. So it's nice having a whole bunch of new listeners and new listeners to to like meet online and things like that. It's a lot of fun. I, I know we've had a bunch of people join the Facebook group. So that's been yeah. fun. I yeah. kind of want to I kind of want to go over and be like, hi, you've only listened to me, but I want to hear your whole story. <laughs> yeah, right. So right. don't be creeped out you. if you get a message from me. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and, and feel free to contact us, too. You can message us through the group and the page, and you can also email us at info at olimfever.com or olimfever at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, olimfever.com. There's a little contact box there, too. But, you know, okay, first, we got to go back just a little bit for, further. It was Olympic Day this weekend. Yes, it was. So that was so exciting. What did you do for Olympic Day? Yes, I went on a climbing wall. Yes. Which was so much fun. Oh, yeah? It was did so you... much fun. So last year I did like the kitty wall, mm -hmm. but this year I did the grown-up, honest-to-God, sport climbing wall. Ooh. And yes. Did you solve the problem? No. And the biggest problem I couldn't solve was the length of my arms and my legs. Oh, okay. So I would get to a point and then unless I could swing like a monkey to the next hold, there was no way I was going to be able to reach it. I wasn't strong enough to hang by two fingers like Josh mm -hmm. Levin mm -hmm. can do. So there were several times where I got stuck <laughs> and I had to go back down. But yeah, it really is so much thinking involved with how do you move, you know, which foot to which leg and which hold. It was great. And I learned something very important. Did you know you have a muscle running right through your armpit? I did not know that. I did not know that until the next day when I could not move my arms. <laughs> and every time I did, I would get this shooting pain straight through my armpit. But yeah, that was that was my my attempt. So I hope Josh Levin is proud of me. I tried it and I would I would do it again. Okay. Excellent. I have to say the the rock climbing gym near me was closed on Olympic Day. So I have to go back. But it is a bouldering gym. So that's the one with the short wall and you don't have the, the gear harnessed onto you and it's they've got the thick mats on the bottom. So I, I'm gonna try that out within the next couple of weeks and I'll get back to you. But I did, I, I called it elements of a triathlon because they were not in triathlon order and they were not triathlon distances. <laughs> but Ben and I went for a run. We did our three-mile run for our virtual team and got that done in the morning. And then I wanted to go for a swim because we have a beautiful outdoor pool in the town where I live. So to get to the pool, I biked. And I biked home too. So nice. I, so I, it's only a mile. So I biked there, swam for a while, a half an hour or so, and uh, biked on home. And it was a lot nice. of fun. Did you, Beautiful. Did you did you write numbers on your leg in indelible I didn't, marker? Oh my gosh, I should have. <laughs> that would have Next really time, made oh it feel gosh, like a triathlete. I've been like, who are you, and what are you doing here? <laughs> so how was the quality of the water? It was pretty good. It was very warm. I was very surprised. And I'm wondering if it was warm from the sun or if they, I don't think they heated, but it was a warm pool. It did not feel very chlorinated. Though after I got out, you could tell in my hair, it felt chlorinated, but it was, it was a nice pool. I will, I, 10 out of 10, I will swim there again. Excellent. So you mentioned our charity footprints virtual race. Yes. With Team USA. Team USA. And we did pretty darn well for starting late right right now and it, the race is still going on so it goes on through the end of the month if you still want to register you can but we have a great team which is you and me and contributor ben and super fan sarah and her husband nick and book club claire and uh listeners lisa and francesca and kevin and and listener meredith, meredith. and listener meredith and right now we are in third place on the leaderboard 
I know. Well, here's the key. I discovered the key. If you hook up your Fitbit. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know, because I have something like 42 miles. I know. It's fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's like, hook up your Fitbit. Basically, your stroll to get more gelato counts. You know, we'll but take I, it. I, I did do a lot of miles this weekend, so that was reasonable. But I was laughing where I'm like, I'm, I was literally at 39 miles the last time I looked, and I'm yeah. like, that I have funny. not done 39 miles, but that I did funny. on my Fitbit. So that, was funny. that has that has pushed us. For a while, we were in second too. Oh, and holy I, cow! Well, I know. And then I think some people um, updated their records. Okay, <laughs> so they, we moved back to third. We're doing well. Also, thank you to listener Anthony for doing a great weightlifting workout and tagging us on social media because that was really cool to see your garage gym because we have a garage gym at home too and those are pretty awesome places. And then Book Club Claire also tried archery for her Olympic Day event and you can read all about it on her blog, blurbmusings.lightthecauldron.com. So people were busy. They were busy. It's been a great Olympic day. And if you participated, and I know listener Don is out there, was working on a different project for Olympic day. So I want to get some updated results on that. But if you participated in Olympic day and not had, and not gotten your Olympic fever, Olympic day participation certificate, give me a shout and I will get that out to you. And they're very snazzy looking, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You did a very nice job. So should we get into the IOC meeting? Yes, let's do that first. So this is a big IOC meeting because it's the 125th anniversary of the International Olympic Committee. And one of the ways they celebrated was by building a new headquarters, which they call Olympic House. Which I love. It is beautiful. If you watched any of the coverage or read any of it, they talk about how sustainable it is. It is one of the most sustainable buildings in the world, and it's got all this LEED certification as well. But they they couldn't stop talking about it. You should take a drink every time T-Boss tells you that the building <laughs> is sustainable. They were really hitting that very hard, but they, they were. should. And I... they, they did get criticism in various places for how much they were spending to build this new headquarters. So the building cost 129 million euros to build, which is about 146 million US dollars. So that's a pretty hefty sum for a building, but it's gorgeous. It's energy efficient, yes. It brings all of the various Olympic offices together. Right, so they don't have to do rents on everything and and pay for transit back and forth between them because you know that they were paying for nicer cars for yeah. certain certain members i'm sure and it is sustainable yes it has roof gardens it has all these environmental recycling of water and solar energy and i mean it's amazing and i was reading yesterday mm-hmm. because dow the chemical company is one of the major Olympic partners, Correct. which I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. And they were very involved. Oh, that's in cool. Building the house. So they were trying things out in this building. Oh, that's really neat. So it was like a, like a test kitchen. Exactly. And now is going to be rolled out in a broader context. Oh, that's really cool. So that actually brings the, the relationship between the company and the IOC more even-handed it's not just we're buying advertising we're actually using the knowledge of both entities to improve the work of both which i thought was fantastic i like that i like that did you see the ribbon cutting ceremony 
I did not. Okay, so I watched I watched some of it. And it took place inside. They have this big, like, five-ringed stairwell that goes throughout the building. I know. It's beautiful. Well, it's beautiful. And, and I don't fault companies that have some money for doing nice things or having nice buildings. But... They know. should. I mean, it is the home of the Olympics. Right. We, we're not going to be in a basement office right. with, you, have... you know, rental furniture. Let's right. but... make it as proud as it should be. Right. So in the ceremony, they had these two guys who I, I think are part of the Swiss Guard, but they definitely did not look like the Swiss Guard that you have at the Vatican with the really fancy uniforms. They have like a two-tiered cape it's a long cape that goes down to their about mid-calf which is red with like a white overlay that goes about down to their hips or so and then they have like a a kind of a a frumpy black hat so is this like off-brand swiss i I don't know but it's like cool why are they here will they be outside monitoring everything wouldn't that be funny oh that would be fantastic they should have the five color cape that would make sense Right. They, you know, the there should there the should there should be emblazoned. an Olympic there should be an Olympic guard to protect the values of Olympism, stationed outside the IOC, and bodyguards for Tebok. <laughs> they could walk around with a fencing sword. <laughs> so the IOC is in their new headquarters. What else has gone on at this meeting? This is something I didn't know. Okay, I did not know that. The IOC gives out their own version of, like, the Emmy Awards or the Oscars. Yes, I saw this, that you posted this. So it's called the Olympic Golden Rings? Yes, and it is given to the broadcasters for various things. There's, There's a ton of categories, and they have, like, best opening sequence, best Olympic feature, best athlete profile, best promotions, best digital. It's was really surprising and then they give gold silver and bronzes it was very cool the one thing that and we'll put the link to the article in the show Mm -hmm. notes what really frustrated me though was they didn't have links to to video clips i know i know you probably have to watch the whole presentation to see something right so i was doing some searching for the really especially the non-NBC ones, because right. we wouldn't have seen yeah. Sky News and the BBC and the Australian broadcasting. And they're everywhere does the Mary Carillo story, unfortunately, is what I've discovered. You have to. Some I do mean... it better than others, but that's kind of an epidemic among Olympic broadcasting. It ties people in. I hate to say I it. You know, people, yeah. people get that connection. They want to watch their athlete. But you know what category they didn't have? What? Podcasts. Oh, right. Just saying, I IOC. Lobbying. IOC, next time. I want a golden ring. I will take a bronze. I don't care. I just want to go to the ceremony. Right. <laughs> it totally would be just an honor to be nominated, and they'd let me in the door. They would have no idea what they're doing by that, but that's okay. <laughs> well, they let in the whole Milan Cortina bid. You saw how they acted. We'd be We'd be subdued compared to them. I would be sitting with them. <laughs> Those are my people. I'm telling you that right now. I will put the little red, green, and, and white scarf on and start singing Yay Italia. I am all for it. <laughs> Yay, the fever. Yay, Olympic fever. <laughs> what is that in Italian? I don't know. So that was that was a cool thing to learn, to be quite honest. All right, what else has been going on at the IOC session that is of note? 
Okay, there was a there was a lot at this session. Did it feel really thick to you? Yeah, it did. It, it's I'm kind of overwhelmed by all of the stuff that was going on. Yeah, so I've been following Inside the Games, who have been doing an amazing job mm -hmm. with with covering all of this. So they made some changes to the bid process oh. again. So, and according to Inside the Games, it was enthusiastically approved. Okay. So the big change is that they are removing the seven-year requirement. Oh. So they are not necessarily going to be awarding the games seven years ahead of time. It could be more. It could be less. That's interesting. Which goes so, along with one, what IOC member John Coates was saying a couple weeks ago, how they could award a 2032 bid any day, basically. Right. They will now be doing a lot more um, recruiting of cities. Oh, so they're not just going to wait for the cities. They're going to go out and actually try hmm. and, and get the cities to bid. They are moving toward multi-city regional bids. Okay. Which makes sense. Which makes sense because they're changing the way the host contract is and who can sign the host contract. Ah. So wonder it's if not that's just a single a little, city. wonder if that's a little bit out of Stockholm. Well, or, Stockholm uh, wouldn't – None of nobody would sign the host bid oh. for, for Sweden. Right. So it didn't really matter. They're also, they're not really requiring it, but it's one of those, we highly recommend a referendum. Oh, okay. They want the referendum. And yeah. Well, and having a referendum would prevent something like Calgary, who went so far in the process and then the referendum shut them down. Right. So I think this isn't really changing the new norm and Agenda 2020, I think this is honing it after the experience of the 26 bidding mm -hmm. process. Okay. You know, what worked, what didn't work, what they could see working better. But I think the big interesting thing is actually the recruiting. Yeah. That they're going to go out and recommend to cities that they bid. That's really interesting because you wonder then where are they going to go? Right, because we know the IOC is very European-centric in many mm -hmm. ways. So are they going to push for more South American cities? Are they going to push into different areas, or are they going to go safer? Right, especially with the, the games getting bigger, because I know like the Youth Olympic Games is going to be in Africa. This this uh, The summer ones will be in, mm -hmm. and that's their first foray into Africa, which, of course, they're very excited about. But will it be like South America and be kind of a, oh, this turned out to be a lot more expensive than we realized? For Rio, I don't know what it was like for Buenos Aires in uh, hosting those Youth Olympic Games, but I'd be curious to find out. And I think it's, it's also interesting with the changing from the seven year because, I mean, they already did that because they awarded uh, the Summer Games 24 mm -hmm. and 28 at the same time. So maybe this is just making official what they're already doing. Mm -hmm. But I was also thinking, are they going to shorten the time for some cities because of political issues? Like, is it safer to award a, a, a thing five years in advance than seven? That's a good question. Like, especially if you have a city that's got pretty much everything built and doesn't have to do a whole lot of original construction, could they pull off the games faster? I mean, because you look at like L.A. and L.A. is 
pretty much built. They don't have a ton to do. They do have the luxury of getting time to get some transport the for the local government to get some transportation stuff done and make that situation a little bit better. But it also gives them a lot of time to get sponsorships and advertising and funding that helps pay for the games. But they could probably turn around and do it in 2024 if they needed to. Yeah, I think so too. And would you then have fewer surprises because you're looking for cities where everything is more preset? Right, or stable. Right, that they don't have to do as much construction. So we'll have to see how this goes for uh, 32 because that's the next to be awarded. Are they going to award that now, you know, very far in advance, or are they going to wait? Good question. That'll be a good question. That'll be the new. Other big thing Mm -hmm. was the change to Rule 40. Did you see that? Oh, no, I did not. Okay, so I guess it was over the winter, a German court said Rule 40 was basically null for German athletes. And Rule Mm -hmm. 40 says that athletes' relationships with advertisers, Mm -hmm. unless that advertiser is an official Olympic sponsor, you can't use that athlete's image during the games. Right, which really makes it hard for a lot of advertisers and and athlete sponsors who want that connection and promote that connection to do so during the biggest time possible. Right. So it seems like we're going to have to see how they change the language and we're going to have to see how it actually plays out. But how I read it is that they will be able to use the athlete's images as long as it gets IOC approval. Interesting. So, so people who are not Olymp- official mm-hmm. Olympic sponsors can get the use of an Olympic athlete approved and can run that during the games. Very interesting. That's something to be looking out for, for Tokyo, especially. Yes. Yeah, because so. that'll be when it really comes in. What did you pay attention to? What did you notice? Um, I noticed something about Paris 2024 and the new sports that will be in. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. The new sports that Paris wants to put on their program got one step further in the process. So basically, the session said they're in provisionally, and then come December 2020, when they've crunched numbers from Tokyo 2020, and they see how things are going, then then it'll be like the final rubber stamp to see what's getting in. But they're having surfing and skateboarding and sport climbing and breaking are going to be the the four sports that will be the additional ones. They call them additional sports, and then they call the other sports core sports. And the additional sports don't get as much money as the core sports do, so they don't. They didn't say how the revenue breakout was going to be yet. But two interesting things from the the press conference was they brought all of the international federation heads up there, and the representative from the IOC actually said. Oh, they're all men. And they had been doing like a whole big woman push, I guess, all day. And they realized, oh, we have all men up here. Great. And then the head of the surfing federation said, we will not do man-made waves. Oh. So Paris has opened a, a call for tender offer for bidding for the surfing venue. And he said, when you think about uh, Paris has said, yeah, we want more of France to be involved. And that makes sense to have like, you, you know, the the football competition usually happens in different areas of the country, like it's in Tokyo it, or for Tokyo, it's going to happen uh, venues around the country. And then 
you would think that Marseille is probably a big hotspot for surfing because it's on the Mediterranean. But no, this guy says there's more to France than just Europe. There's great surfing and French uh, territories in the Caribbean, in French Polynesia, and in Reunion Island, in which is close to Madagascar. Wow. Can you imagine? Like, and, and he didn't really elaborate. He's like, because that blew my mind when you thought about, like, you would actually consider putting a surfing competition. like On the other side that, of the world. Yeah. But the, wow. I mean, for good waves. And would that really feel Olympic? But, I mean, he's probably talking off the top of his head, just trying to, he knows where the good surfing is. So, I don't right. know what because the Because that wouldn't, I mean, for the athletes, that would, on the one hand, it would sort of defeat the purpose of being at the Olympics because they would be with nobody else. Right. And it would just be like another surfing competition. Right. Oh, how interesting. We've got to keep an eye on that. And yeah, see where right. That... Oh, wow. So that I think they'll know more by the end of the year. So, yeah, I totally have to keep an eye on that. So I also heard from Sir Craig Reedy. Oh, you about... did? Yes, I did. This is good. So he is the head of WADA. This is going to mm -hmm. be his last IOC meeting. He's stepping down. Oh. But he had some news. Yes. About our favorite cups of pee. The ones from, from Russia? The Moscow Laboratory. They are fast tracking 100 cases. Oh, my from gosh. From those samples. Oh, my gosh. 100 cases. And that was just the first pass through all of this. So there were, you know, over 4,000 samples collected when they finally got into raiding the Moscow lab. There was, he announced 24 terabytes of data that they collected. Holy crap, man. And just from their first go through, they've got a hundred plus cases that they're going to investigate. So remember when that came up and we said, what's going to come of this. I was worried mm -hmm. about the other shoe dropping. It's like the little old lady who lived in a shoe size shoe that is dropping wow. from this data collection. I wonder what they're fast tracking if they're fast tracking like summer sports over winter sports because, because of the next Olympics. I got the impression they were fast tracking the easy to investigate cases. That's oh, okay. the impression I got from listening to him that it was this is data we already have. Possibly it's from athletes who are already tested positive in other situations mm -hmm. so that this would kind of bump them up to the next level of ban rather than totally new athletes introduced into the punishment process. That's just me reading between what he was saying. Okay. But yeah, so this is going to be ongoing and not in a good way. I don't see how Russia, Russia's track and field or any or other of those banned organizations are going to get back in until this is done. Wow. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Speaking of banned. Yes. Did you, did you hear the talk about Aiba? I've heard some of it, but I don't know what you're talking about because there's just been so much going on. Okay. So as we've talked about before, the boxing association is banned as an organizing committee. They are not organizing uh, the Tokyo event. Uh, they've created a structure 
for athletes to qualify. Mm -hmm. And it's overseen by a special IOC committee. But here's the thing that made me crazy. AIBA is still creating the pool from which officials for Tokyo 2020 are being picked. Oh, you're kidding. So the, I am not kidding. So the biggest problem in boxing is corrupt officiating. And, and here we are getting the same officials. I mean, part of it is you don't have, who else are you going to get? Right. Who, can, who can train up in a year to officiate at that level? I mean, granted, maybe you can get some pro boxing uh, officials who can learn those rules and be fine. And that's, that's not unrealistic to expect, but I, I don't know how you're not going to get a pool of, of officials that won't have some corruption. I mean, may, I, I would assume that there are non-corrupt officials that they're, of they're, they're clean officials, but, but the corrupt organization yeah. right. is creating the pool that you're picking from. I don't know. Maybe they'll go bankrupt by that time because they're also talking about that. They're not getting IOC money, so they just are—they just almost have no operating money anymore. Yeah, so I do not see how we're not going to have a complete reorganization of the organization that oversees boxing. Don't know how that's going to happen because you know the IOC doesn't like meddling too much in that. So how how will a good federation be created? I don't, don't know. know. Oh wow. Gosh, it's been a session. It has been a session. And, you know, Tomas Bach showing up. But I have to look. Oh, so the other thing I wanted to mention was one of my favorite IOC officials, Kit McConnell, mm -hmm. has been making a lot of appearances at the, at the microphone. And I just love listening to him because he is such a sports guy. He doesn't. I'm sure he's brilliant at what he does, but I want to go have a beer with him uh -huh. and just watch a game with him <laughs> and have him start talking all this fancy official talk. <laughs> so, Kit, I'm a fan. Let's hang out in Milan. Where there, we there we go. There we go. All right. Let's move on to our Tokyo 2020 update. The big ticket push is on so it was very exciting the people who are in the several countries that are have to go through co-sport as a reseller well actually everybody all all of the resellers had their first round of tickets go out because uh, on the big ticket planning facebook group it's been kind of crazy of what people got what people didn't get and they're they're all upset so so jill yes what'd you get okay so you could you could apply for 30 tickets max so Ben and I each applied for 15 events. We doubled down on modern pentathlon. He went hard on archery. I went hard on shooting. We both wanted some fencing. I asked for artistic swimming in the hopes of seeing our Team Olympic Fever member, Jacqueline Simoneau. And uh, he asked for ceremonies. He also, um, gosh, what else do we, we looked for some karate, some judo, some taekwondo, I also looked for sport climbing because I thought after talking with Josh, I'd like to see the new sport. So we ended up, I felt very lucky when we logged in because there were a lot of people who got nothing. Like our, our travel expert, Ken Hanscom, got nothing. Oh, geez. But he applied for opening ceremonies, oh, swimming, yeah. and gymnastics. And those are three things that are super popular. Right. I imagine he will get into pretty much anything he wants to. He'll this work it. He'll know how to work it. So we got our results back, 
and I got one of the fencing events. So we're going to see some Epe, which is uh, not, uh, it's going to be like the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth place kind of thing. That's okay. That, that's not bad, but it's Epe, so that ha- makes us happy. Then I also got weightlifting. Ooh. So it's the top weight class for the women. So I'm really hoping that Sarah Robles from the U.S. gets in because that's going to be a good one to watch. So I was really excited about that. So that'll be a whole medal ceremony as well. Oh, nice. And then I did get the artistic swimming, which... Oh, that makes me happy. Oh, my gosh. The tickets were so expensive. Oh, for that, (laughs) For that event, it was really expensive. But you know that, like, I think Japan Japan does really well. So that was probably popular for... I was really surprised I got it because I would also think that it would be popular with uh, Russian ticket ticket yes. appliers too because they do very well in that uh, event so I got it um, so that's exciting for me and and Ben well Ben on a whim applied for rhythmic gymnastics did he get it and he got it <gasps> which which one though it is, is it... an individual all-around qualification nice <laughs> see you would like it he's like rhythmic gymnastics like you applied for it man well you know it'd be really funny because ben Mm -hmm. is so tall Mm -hmm. he'll be like the tallest man in the room (laughs) because those those rhythmic gymnasts are taller than artistic gymnasts but not by a lot no 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 but he is he does plan to lean in on that so watch out watch out world here comes rhythmic ben ben with a hoop (laughs) I do not want to see him with the clubs. He's, he's, I was going to say he's been out in the backyard with the clubs. <laughs> or the ribbon. Oh, let's get him a ribbon. So we shall see. So that was round one. We're going to try for more when uh, ticket sales are open again on a first come first serve basis here in July 2 at 2 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. You can go on to Coast Sport. You'll get put into a queue. I've seen some of the queues for the Japanese residents and they've been like, in the hundreds of thousands of people long. So. Yes, but they will wait in an orderly line. They, they will, that they will. But there is a site, I don't know if anybody has heard of this, but it is um, os-site-tracker.com. And the creator was part of the hashtag 2012 Tweep group. And uh, Ken Hanscom had mentioned them and uh, had said that this was a group that during London would go out and find tickets for families of athletes who could not get into their loved ones games so they did really good job of scouring everything so one of them has built this site and he uh, i believe he's from germany you do have to pay for it it's cost 15 euros which is about 17 bucks and i believe it runs on paypal so and it works for a lot of the countries it works for a lot of the eu countries and and he's got it to work for um at, at the u.s and i believe canada's in there as well and so what it is, it does is it's a bot that goes out and ser- you tell it what tickets you're looking for and the bots find out when the tickets go on sale and send you an email. Because apparently what, oh. what happens is that tickets just randomly get thrown out there on the different ticket seller websites and you never know when they're going to show up. So this can help you try to get those tickets that you need. So we That's will handy. Yes. There are, well, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. So, but I think I will sign up for this as well, just to see what happens and how it works. It's, 
And I would okay. think that as the games get closer, this is going to become more important. Yes, exactly. So some people had mentioned uh, on the 20, Tokyo 2020 ticket Facebook group that they had used the tracker, this tracker to get tickets at London and Rio, and it was a great thing for flash sales. Excellent. So we heard some from our group, uh, mm -hmm. the Facebook group about tickets people got and mm -hmm. all sort of random. My personal favorite was super fan Sarah apparently is going to be watching volleyball. I know a lot of volleyball. All of her tickets that she got were some form of volleyball. So I'm like, okay, be prepared, Sarah. That's good. Get comfy in that indoor, outdoor. She's going to be volleyballed out. Her and Wilson, right? Was it that, the... that was the volleyball from Castaway. Yep. <laughs> no, it's exciting. And, and Book Club Claire got a lot of track and field athletics events. So she was super excited about that. And it'll be cool. If you got tickets and are going... Drop me a line, and we're going to try to put together a meetup group or something while we're there to meet each other and, and have some kind of Olympic fever fun. But I'd like to get a handle on the number of people and the size space we should be looking for. So drop me a line, jill at olimfever.com. Or so, if you'll be sitting on your couch like me. Right. Your tickets are all set. <laughs> I also saw some interesting things about the city and how they're – how they have to deal with the Olympics next year. So a lot of companies are coming up with telecommuting plans so that their employees stay home and do telework during the Olympics or they take vacation. They did this a lot in London. I mm -hmm. remember this was a big plan that they did in London to keep people who weren't going to the game sort of away from right. the uh, that's that area of the city. Right. So that, that was really interesting. Another thing that I hadn't considered but came across this week was the fact that there are other industries that are hurt by the Olympics coming in. Because you, uh -huh. you think of the Olympics as being this big boom for the city, but there are a lot of conferences that can't hold their conferences because the Olympics has those buildings all locked up. So there's like a big flower show that's usually, I believe, in April that's not going to be able to be where it usually is because the Olympics has to get that ready. So and right. there, uh, there were uh, the article I read in uh, AsiaNikai.com and they talked about several conferences that just were like, can't have this. Same with uh, music festivals in the summer. So it's interesting what has to not happen in order for the games to happen and how that affects other people economically and other businesses. You know what I would think would be, well, I don't know what wedding season is in Japan, but probably wedding season is going to get all screwed up. Right. Because you have all that. Oh, I don't know. We should find out when is wedding. If you are a Japanese listener, let us know when is wedding season. Cause here summer is a huge wedding season for us. Right. And, and I would think, you know, all these hotels, all these things, there's going to be no weddings. There'll be a little blip yeah, in, in marriage licensing, I would assume. <laughs> so interesting. Uh, okay, moving on to our Team Olympic Fever update. A quick slice of tofu today. Uh, Samantha Achterberg is competing in the Modern Pentathlon World Cup Final in Tokyo, and she got the last spot on the list. So good for her for getting in, and best of luck to her in competition. I hope she finishes further up than where she's uh, seated. 
Also, uh, shout out to our Team Olympic Fever member, Sean Callahan, who is in Miami covering the U.S. presidential debates. He's back on the political beat and will be covering the election. So likely not going to Tokyo because summer, it's a right. Pres- it's hard for him to get to get away and be assigned to that team. But here's what I want to know from him for media and for the camera people, which type of events has stricter security? That's an excellent question. So Sean, if you can tweet Sean. at him. Yeah. And, and ask him that I'm curious to what that difference is. Is it harder to get into an Olympic venue or a U.S. presidential debate? OK, I will definitely ask him. Other big news in U.S. Olympic news, the U.S. Olympic Committee has changed its name to become the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Big deal. Big, huge deal. I was listening to the media call about that, and Oksana Masters was on there, and she was almost in tears. She was so happy. I know. And and I heard, I shouldn't say I heard, I saw a lot of commentary saying, oh, this is just window dressing. Oh, this is just rebranding. But that matters. It does matter. And it's a step for inclusivity. The USOPC had, for Pyeongchang, upped the amount of money that the Paralympic medalists got to equal what the Olympic medalists got, which was a huge deal because their training costs are just as intensive as Olympians. So that was a huge step. But I think it's nice to give that extra visibility to the Paralympic movement. So. They are only one of four countries in the world that have done this with the the NOC name. So the other ones were Netherlands, uh, South Africa, and Norway Hmm. that also include Paralympic with their National Olympic Committee name. Right. And when they've been doing Team USA branded things, Mm -hmm. they've always included Paralympians. Right. So So I think this is reflecting what actually happens. Yeah. And, And I'll tell you, they were quick on the name change. Everything like almost the Everything. next day, every, the, like the next day, uh, we got uh, Team USA calendars in the mail, and they were already branded U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Foundation. They they really knew what they were doing when they did this, so which was great. But the best part, because I listened to the call as well, and they mm-hmm. had some athletes on. They had Oksana Masters, and they had Bonnie Blair, you know, the which speed was great, skater, which, was, which great. was great. And it was so great to hear her wonderful Midwestern accent again. No. Oh, Bonnie, this is fantastic. Oh, and it was just a love fest between Oksana Masters and Bonnie Blair. You know, saying, oh, you're you're in the Olympic <laughs> Hall of Fame and you're going to be there soon. And Oksana's like, oh, no, Bonnie, you're a legend. But they were, it was such a joyous press call, which you don't usually get to hear so many happy people. Right, right, right. So, so that was, I, I'm, cool. I'm pleased with this. You can window dress it and scoff at it, but image matters. It, it does. It, it, and, and how you call things matters. So this is a great step forward. All right. Anything else for today? Yay. Italia. Yay. <laughs> Italia. Well, I think on that note. <laughs> I'm going to go cry and eat some gelato. Oh, that sounds good. I could go for some. It's hot in, it's hot in my office, so I could go eat for some gelato too. Um, and make sure you put sprinkles on it for the celebration. Which I have. I have some star-shaped sprinkles. Oh, I'm so excited now. Are they red, white, and red and green? Multiple other colors. Well, no, you got to pull just the red, white, and green ones out. Yeah, I got another deadline today. <laughs> I got a show to put out, man. <laughs> so love you. No, sorry. 
seven more years. <laughs> Hopefully my Italian will improve by yeah, then. There you go. There you go. All of us can work on that. So next week, in honor of Canada Day and Independence Day in the U.S., we'll be doing another lightning round episode with some of our favorite guests. And be sure to tune into that because they always share some interesting tidbits that we do not get in our regular interviews. That is always a fun time for us to find out a little bit more because usually they're like five questions long and they're never like five questions long. We always get because one state, one answer always leads to another question. Like, I know this isn't one of the questions, but but I gotta ask you. Yes, and then the week after that, it will be time to welcome back Book Club Claire for our discussion of Making Waves by Shirley Babishoff, which is about the two-time Olympic swimmer's career and how she had to compete against the East German doping machine. You can get your copy of the book through the Amazon link at our website olimfever.com. And if you do shop through Amazon, it would be great because we get a little commission from your purchases which goes to support the financial efforts of the show and yeah and it's important to go through our website to get to the amazon link just don't go right to amazon i mean the book is pretty easy reading it's going pretty quickly for me so you've got plenty of time to read it before the show and we'll put some questions up in our facebook group and things like that to get your opinions let us know what you think of the book and on that note, we will wrap it up for this week and catch you back here next week for more Olympic stories and lightning rounds. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at Olympfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. Yay, the fever! Yay, Olympic fever! <laughs>